0: Hello and welcome to The Dirt. This is the podcast that sows seeds of gardening inspiration. I'm Emily, Grow Your Own's content creator. And I'm Sophie,
1: Grow Your Own's content writer. On today's episode we'll be talking about how gardening can relieve stress and how you can extend the growing season by growing your own mushrooms. But first we're chatting to garden designer Pollyanna Wilkinson. Hi Polly. Hello. How are you doing today?
2: very well thank you very excited to be talking to you
1: brilliant well we're excited to talk to you about gardening too um we've got lots of questions
0: for you so it'll be great um tell us a little bit about your background polly and how did you get into garden design
2: yeah absolutely so i actually worked in the city for over a decade in legal marketing and um, found it fairly (laughs) soul-destroying and it was only after having my kids that i decided if I was going to work, which I very much wanted to do, it needed to be something I was very passionate about. Mm. Um, and all the while, whilst working in the city, I had a very small balcony in Elles Court where I grew tomatoes. Right. And then I moved to a small flat in Tooting where, again, I actually grew tomatoes. That was my thing. But it really captured my love of gardening. And I'd never allowed myself to think that it's, Uh, career I could have pursued and I couldn't quite figure out how to navigate that switch from a very Corporate job through to something which felt so much so far removed Um, So after much soul searching I decided to pursue garden design There's a lot of design in the family. My mother's an interior designer. My brother designs hotels. Oh, wow. So there is a lot of design
1: there very creative Um, family
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah. very creative family um and then my my parents and my grandparents opened their gardens uh for the ngs so it's you know gardening's in the blood too so it felt like a really natural transition to sort of go into the design sphere of of gardening and i've never looked back i set up the studio straight away after studying at the english gardening school yeah. um it shows very quickly after that and the, the business has grown so I love it I absolutely love it I don't get that sort of dread feeling on a Sunday night which I used to get which is I think to me the mark of a a job you love
1: yeah. absolutely yeah if you can do what you love as your full-time you know <laughs> income living perfect it doesn't get better than that really does it absolutely
0: so, yeah and so was it um this year that you won an award at the Chelsea Flower Show it was yes
2: this year um we i won a silver medal and the people's choice
0: oh wow oh, so congratulations. that was
2: thank you yeah, yeah the, the most stressful thing i think i've ever done <laughs> in my life almost as <laughs> painful from childbirth but <laughs> <laughs> but very worth it <laughs> yeah yeah so worth it such a privilege as well i think it's something that all designers hope well i presume uh, hope to do at some point in their career so to do it so early was a real privilege mm. and all thanks to project giving back really so very grateful to have had that opportunity
0: it blows my mind how the designers, have, obviously, they know the plants to such a degree that they're able to time everything so perfectly just for that small space of time so that everything's flourishing at once. I, I, it just, yeah, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing to me. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's actually a real learning curve for all the designers as well, because obviously when we're doing an actual residential project, you're planning the plants to look good in all different seasons. That's sort of part of the art of the of the work. And net, uh, Chelsea. You need to time it so that it's the plants that look good then.
1: Mm,
2: But equally, the judges want to see that you're thinking beyond May and you're thinking, well, what will this look like the rest of the year? Because it's not fair to the public either to represent it as it's going to look good now and rubbish for another 11 months. It needs to show promise of interest in other seasons. So there's a real artistry to it. And one thing I learned this year just from looking at others is a lot of people lean towards woodland planting because it's you're less reliant on something flowering on the exact right day, which is definitely the mistake I made choosing things <laughs> like bearded iris, which oh, ruins tying up with string. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: wow it sounds like that you say that probably was quite stressful but a massive achievement and you know obviously that must count as a massive success in your career so far but in terms of your whole career and even before you became professional what would you say are your biggest success stories in the garden
2: um well certainly in terms of career highlights as you say chelsea is up there and also the awards i've won at hampton court as well um each garden has been quite conceptual and artistic and that's sort of really scratched an itch from the sort of artist side of the design. Mm-hmm. Of um, But then in terms of actual projects, I mean, the triumph of seeing the gardens which are flourishing, I think one of the most satisfying things about this job is that you plant a garden and then, it, you know, it looks lovely to start with, but it's going to look so much better once it matures and beds in. And so the triumphs have been seeing the ones where the clients have really looked after it and really delight in the garden and seeing those plants mature. And then sharing that I share a lot of my work on social media. And it's wonderful being able to share knowledge about how to design your own garden and what plants you can use, which are going to look good all year round with others as well. So I, I personally see that contribution on the social media side is something really rewarding
1: as well lovely yeah absolutely and and I think as well do you find that having different concepts and creating the concept and, and you know just putting everything together just to be so satisfying and rewarding and you know picking out like the different plants that work well together the those that you know there's so much involved isn't there and I think if you have the interest in gardening as well as the design it must just be a great kind of yeah I don't know it just seems really good fun
2: (laughs) yeah it's I mean the funnest projects are when you're working with clients that love plants
1: yeah
0: yeah (laughs)
2: because uh, nine times out of ten the brief is to keep it relatively low maintenance and so in the back of your mind you're thinking try not to specify lots of things which are going to need staking or things which are going to be savaged by slugs or going to require a huge amount of maintenance so that can limit the palette quite a lot so when you get a client who loves and knows their plants then that's when it's really fun yeah because usually that's when the gloves come off and we can really start painting with exciting plants because they know the amount of work that's going to be needed to keep those plants looking good and they're willing to do it Yeah. so those are the most exciting ones because we can start experimenting with some things we don't use as often and we try and when we're doing the plants in a garden we'll we'll stick to sort of 80% plants that we know and love and are really reliable but we like that degree of risk as well bringing in sort of 20% experimenting with new things yeah very much hand in hand with the clients so that they know too because gardening is an art and a science yeah that's true so it's that little bit of risk and that experimentation we find really rewarding and and usually those are the, the ones that really pay off brilliant
1: yeah and obviously we love it when they do pay off um but there are those times where things don't go quite you know as we'd like them to go not quite as a plan um now can you tell us about kind of clumsy mistakes you might have made along the way or things that haven't gone quite so well that particularly stand out to you but perhaps you've learned from
2: so many yeah <laughs> maybe my own garden exactly <laughs> <laughs> i'm not much more risk averse with plants, but with myself i mean i can just even think before i trained in my garden so i live in um Molsey near Hampton Court and it's very hard clay the soil is awful and I mean I shudder to think when I inherited the garden I hadn't trained yet and I would just hack away at a bit of hard soil with a trowel and sort of <laughs> wad a plant in it would be half out the top I mean I just shudder to think of it now but the amount of money I must have wasted on plants just sort of doing it Completely inadequate hole, not adding any kind of organic matter or whatever, and just sort of squadging it in and hoping for the best, and sort of just sort of, you know, shoving a bit of bark over the top and ho- just yeah, awful. So I just, I mean, and I'm paying for that now because obviously, still <laughs> nearly a decade on, there's just random plants that sometimes show up. Um, so that, that's definitely my biggest mistake I made with my own garden and something which I'm really passionate about trying to preach to other people is understand your soil understand <laughs> how to plant your plants
1: yeah and also
2: understand not to plant in ones as well because oh my goodness I did that so much or go to the garden center and buy I don't know one helenium and plant oh. it and it would just look so obscure this, this <laughs> one little perennial on its own so that's something I'm uh, looking back and it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about trying to teach other people about gardens is because I didn't know. So why would anyone mm, um, else? Yes. I trained and understood rhythm and flow and repetition and understanding your soil and that you can't put sun lovers in shade. You know, it's <laughs> those things are just, I have made every single mistake that I preach against avoiding. Um, and I think, I mean, that's the best bit about gardening for me is, is it is, trial and error and learn by doing I don't think it's something you can learn by a book
0: I'd like to think as well those little plants that crop up now and again they're just reminders of how far you've come you know and and the the fools you know like you say you don't you don't know you're the best person to advise people if you've made those mistakes and say no I've done it and it's not going to work for you
2: (laughs) there's one pink noreen, like as I look out the window just waving at me that's just just one on its own. I've never, really, me? I've never taken it out because I've just thought, oh, live and let live. But I mean, it's, yes, it's mocking me and reminding me of mistakes of, of past.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it! It's like little milestones all around the garden. <laughs> That's it, and it is. There are plants.
2: Yeah, there's uh, there's various plants. I mean, there's some fairly hideous hydrangea in there too. I must have been going through a phase of of liking um, very deep colours, and and also I think. What's so interesting, and lots of clients have this too, and I really relate to it, sometimes people in their garden will inherit certain plants and they don't even like them, but they feel like they have to keep it out of some sort of, oh, well, it's there, mm, it seems a shame yeah. to move it. And it can be this hideous plant, you know, which they really don't like. So it's, uh, it's curious the way people kind of attach meaning and sentimentality to plants and sort of, oh, well, you know, it's, it's thriving, we'll keep it. Even
0: if you don't like it, or even if it's in the wrong place. That's so interesting. We've—I don't think we've ever really spoken about that as a topic before. But you're so right. It's that the strange connection that we have, almost to like, like we would a pet or something. And you know, it might not be exactly what's right for us, but we will still hang on to it because you know, our mum gave it to us, or an auntie that we haven't seen for ten years gave it to us, and we oh, feel obligated you. to keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> I've
2: had to work with some hideous varieties of roses because they—you have know—they've been given as gifts by the neighbour, or as you say you know a, a caring family member and it can be completely inappropriate for the garden for the color scheme for the everything That it carries so much weight and obviously but with that sometimes it's funny sometimes it's really sad and sometimes it's you know plants which are from loved ones that have passed and we've had a lot recently of people planting things as a result of people they've lost during covid as well so mm. it's also about being sensitive that as you say that the emotional weight on certain plants is really strong and needs to be respected. Yeah. And that's sort of lovely as well, isn't it? Really, so, you yeah. Know, that a garden carries such emotional weight, I think.
1: Absolutely.
2: It can be quite magical for well-being.
1: Yeah, that's really true. And there's such a personal space. You know, you connect through plants. You connect with people, um, you know, memories, sentiments. It's lovely, really. So I think that's really important to note as you say, in terms of wellbeing
0: too. In terms of, um, as you were mentioning earlier about sort of learning from your mistakes though, do you have any um, hacks or, um, you know, time-saving tips um, for our listeners that have really, you know, saved you time or money along the way?
2: Definitely. Um, so every January I get a bit seed happy, as I oh, yeah. you know a lot of us do, and I will... I will sow so many seeds, and I don't have a greenhouse. It's an urban garden, um, so I, I have no space. So the kitchen gets overrun with seeds, um, and inevitably most of them die because I'm fairly time poor and um, impatient, and they're not in the best condition. In, in you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're at the mercy of my small children who will, you know, kick them with a ball or whatever in the kitchen. So, <laughs> What I've actually learned, to be kind to myself now, is I've stopped sowing so many seeds. I've actually started buying some seedlings from the likes of Sarah Raven and Crocus or any good suppliers, but I've found that just buying certain things as a seedling and then potting them on has saved me a lot of time and guilt frankly because I can be a right <laughs> seed murderer so I found it and it also limits the amount that I'm putting into my kitchen because I mean it's absurd every single windowsill gets covered in plants and it becomes untenable and then they all die yeah um it's so like my dirty little secret that I'm not very good at sleep growing
1: <laughs> <laughs> we like those on the dirt. <laughs> um, so I found that to be
2: I, I remember there was some someone was sort of I can't remember who it was, but said, you know, you don't need to sow the whole packet. And that was a real revelation for me back in the day that you don't have to empty the whole seed packet. You could just plant like six. Uh, But I have found just trying to think of shortcuts of how to get what you want in the garden, particularly in terms of annuals, but just being pragmatic about it. And for me as a mum of very young kids and with a busy business, it was a case of just know buy the seedlings sometimes it's just for me it made me feel slightly less of a failure when i couldn't nourish this sort of small nursery um so sometimes you know grow some from seed but you don't you know you can it's not cheating to to buy some that have already someone's sort of got going for you as well i think yeah that's
0: absolutely that that's so true because i think that it's almost like a, a purist idea that everything's got to be sown from seed otherwise you're not really properly gardening if you don't do that but at the end of the day you've got to look at your time that you've got available and your circumstances and the space that you've got if it makes more sense to do that you just got to do what's right for you
2: totally particularly in urban spaces as well because i look very enviously at people that live in the country with you know you watch Gardens world you see all these greenhouses and potting sheds and oh (laughs) I'm so jealous I would love to have that but you know where space is at a premium as well you've got to be quite judicious with your choices so I think you know things like Covea scandens, I had such a triumph with that this year because I bought them as seedlings and they they take ages to go you've got to keep them (laughs) for months, don't you it's nearly six months you've got to keep them going before they can go outside And actually just ordering them, they came in March, April. That skipped four months of me having to house them on gradually larger pea sticks. So it was just, I think sometimes it's just figuring out, you know, what are the priorities and what do you... I always grow sweet peas from seed myself. They're a classic. That's something I've committed to because there's other ones particularly when I want to experiment but it's just easier.
1: Yeah absolutely and and like you say raising something from a tiny tiny little sweet little seedling is still absolutely caring for it and rearing it into a a fully grown plant so it's just skipping that initial stage where things are so tricky at times mm. especially with certain things you know try and germinate parsnip it's not the easiest task <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah absolutely I, I completely agree
0: I've got to ask as well as you said you were really started on tomatoes have you got any favorite varieties that you go to do you
2: know what I just like the real classics mm.
1: like
2: gardener's delight sun gold just uh, I've never really deviated from them because I just love really small, flavoursome, reliable varieties. I've tried, I briefly had an allotment. I, I lasted six months. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> in my defence, my husband doesn't like gardening. And I had very small kids and I just couldn't get there enough to water yeah, everything. That's um, nice. But I tried all sorts of interesting varieties then. Um, and if I had more space, I would I would try more but I've got a tiny little sort of grow it's not really even a greenhouse you couldn't even call it that it's like a mini tiny lean-to thing Um. that can house two tomato plants so I have to be really careful with my choices so I just go for gardener's delight it's just Mm. it's a classic and it just grows really well for me yeah um so yeah nothing novel there but sometimes you know the classics are the best yeah that's the trouble
0: and I guess like you say you're so limited in what you can grow that taking a chance and growing a variety that you've not grown before sometimes could lead to a bit more disappointment if you say I've got two plants to harvest from
2: (laughs) this is it this is it but I am I'm quite excited we're hoping to move house soon and we'll have a a slightly larger plot so that's when I'm gonna get a greenhouse
3: oh wow it'd be
2: lovely to be able to experiment a bit more but it's I think it's useful to be able to understand urban gardening because you do have to be quite restrained mm. yeah. as in an urban garden. You can't grow 12 different varieties no. So, or, or you can if you want to hand your whole garden over to it. But its I've got kids that require a football pitch, so <laughs> I really am quite constrained.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And having a garden alongside a football pitch is... Quite impressive, actually. Like you said, <laughs> <So> <laughs> it would be a disaster crazy. if I
0: had to do that.
2: <laughs> we wouldn't have a football uh, pitch if it was up to me. But I would—I would be I would yeah. full of plants. It would be a jungle. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So really like kind of looking at everything, if you've learnt one thing in your time gardening over the years that you'd pass on to people listening, what would you say that is?
2: You need to understand your garden. I think it's the most important thing. It's so easy just to start pointing at flowers that you like, but it's so irrelevant to whether your garden will look good or not. You need to understand your soil, your sunlight, how you use your garden. If you do not understand that, it's so much time wasted. Mm-hmm. So for me, the number one thing to understand is what are, how, how much light does your garden get, and where, and what time of day, what is your soil? Without that knowledge, you are going to plant things which will not thrive, and it's just such a waste of time. So for me, the number one thing, and it's true of design, of hardscape as well as planting, is you have to understand where that light falls and understand you have to plant shade lovers in shade. You can't fight your garden. And I think a lot of people fight their garden and and they'll have a shady garden and they want it to be full of vibrant color. Mm. And the two don't really go hand in hand. It's accepting if you've got a shady garden, lean into having a green and white garden, super calming and can be really romantic and I love shade plants but it's that fight against of what you want to plant versus what you can I think is the number one thing I would encourage everyone to embrace
0: it sounds like it's that showing restraint when especially with new gardeners if they're keen to get going and get digging and get planting but actually taking that step back and really assessing before you make those moves is crucial
2: totally I mean it can lead to a lot of wasted money as well I think. One of my most common things I see when I go to a garden for the first time is people pointing at plants, going, "That's not really thriving," and it will be, you know, I don't know, maybe a jasmine in deep shade, and you're thinking, "That needs full sun. That will be sad for eternity if it stays there." <laughs> yeah. so, you know, it's it's understanding that, and it's we wanted a, a climber there, and you're like, that's fine, but it needs to be a shade lover. So it's you can't fight it, and that's sort of the charm of it. And then just to add to the fun sometimes a plant will completely surprise you and thrive in in its opposite conditions but you know that's rare so it's i think you know as i've said it is a science and an art and just understanding the rules of what you can grow and where yeah can make all the difference and your garden will look better as a result of growing you know what what should be there yeah
1: exactly it needs to kind of yeah, it needs to dress appropriately, doesn't it, in, in, a, in a way. a way. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it needs to d- dress the garden
0: appropriately. Dress for the weather and the conditions. I've also kind of weirdly, I've got this analogy in my head of I'm a, an avid dog lover and they always say, you know, you shouldn't get a dog that's not fit for your home. You know, if, you, if, you, if you've only got a small, tiny flat, you shouldn't probably be getting like a St Bernard because they're probably not going to thrive in your home you want to <laughs> A pet that's happiest in your home, and it's the same for plants. Yeah.
2: It is, and it's do you know one of the most curious things? And this, this is probably going to be wildly unpopular. I don't tend to use olive trees a lot in gardens, obviously, not due to Xylella as well, but more because I personally think olive trees look a bit weird in this country. <laughs> They're a very Mediterranean plant, and I look at them and think, you know, those beautiful old gnarly ones, I think they look best in Mediterranean countries where they belong. And when I see one in the UK in a sort of country garden, I, some, I think it can look really odd. It looks slightly incongruous. So exactly as you say, that kind of dressing appropriately, are just sort of looking at your house as well and looking at, you know, are you in a new build and then do you want to go contemporary with it or do you want? are you in the country and you want to go really romantic? It's sort of the plants can bring a different vibe as well, you know, very formal topiary versus something really blousy plants bring with them a mood and I think thinking about what mood you want the plants to bring as well is really key to translating the whole design together so I love that expression about dressing appropriately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sophie you've sparked something there.
2: <laughs> totally stealing that, we'll see that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I love it because all this talk about a romantic garden, a stately garden. I, I'm just sitting here, like trying to imagine my dream garden and thinking, oh, what you know, what would that be? And it's just, it's very inspiring.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Polly. It's been so enjoyable talking to you. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure. Oh,
2: well, my pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. Really. It's
1: been lovely. um Now, is there anywhere that we can find you, sort of online and um, follow your work, anything like that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the best place is on Instagram. Um, it's Pollyanna underscore Wilkinson and there you'll find all of our work but also loads of tutorials as well. We do lots and lots of, of how to design your garden and, and the best plants per season. So hopefully oh, wow. you can learn a
1: thing. Yeah, we'll have to take a look at that. Mm. Yeah, lovely.
0: Get Fantastic. some more inspiration. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. Well then, Sophie, shall we go and hear from our sponsor? Yeah, let's go. The D.C. Thompson shop has a wide range of garden plants, accessories and gifts. Save up to 50% with many collections. For a garden that takes care of itself with effortless, low-maintenance plants, the shop has lots of popular bulbs, bedding plants and ground cover perennials too. For real garden enthusiasts, there is a choice of more unusual varieties. However green your fingers, there is something for everyone. Visit dcthompsonshop.co.uk and place your order today. Hello. Hey. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> yeah.
3: Good. I just forgot to talk into the microphone there for a minute.
0: <laughs> it's just so funny because you landed so far away. I <laughs> yeah. was on. on the other side of the allotment. <laughs>
3: uh, oh, and how are we all doing? Um, yeah fine thank you. How are you? Good yeah good. Feeling autumnal?
0: Yes yes. I'm, um, yeah. I feel like I've i a bit of a sort of patch where i'm not really growing anything recently and my, my chili's died up and i just felt a little bit sad because my garden's very much not really equipped to deal with many vegetables at the moment mm. so i decided to invest in a um grow your own mushroom kit nice oh, yeah. tell us more um they're pink oyster mushrooms Ooh, lovely. and see. laura as you well know i went through majority of my life hating mushrooms with a passion And I've come to appreciate them now and actually like Mm. them. I will freely eat them and include them in things. Can't beat a mushroom. So I've come a long way. Um, And apparently you can get three or four harvests from like one kit. But I have to order the spores to then set the process in motion, I think. I'm not sure, like I said, I'm not totally familiar with growing mushrooms. So I'm interested to learn and see what the cycle Um, is all about. Where are you, where is going to be your mushroom growing lair? Well, Mm. I've got a sort of spare bedroom that we're kind of renovating at the moment, but yeah, not got any furniture in it or anything. So I kind of thought that might be the best place. So they're sort of undisturbed, not going to get knocked off the windowsill or something. Yeah, that's, that's a good <laughs> yeah. idea, actually. For um, they're in um, growing space. Yeah. And I'm hoping they keep their like pink hue mm-hmm. when they could, because how cool would that be? Yeah. Pink mushrooms. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a fancy, colourful variety of anything, to be honest. Yeah. Um, have either of you grown mushrooms before? No. I, no.
1: I really want to. So you'll have to let me know mm. how you get on because I might have to give this a try.
0: My yeah, day. my yeah, parents did years ago. Oh, they did say you can get little flies and stuff apparently because I think in the, either in the spores or in the compost up like the growing medium mm. there can ah. be like eggs and stuff. But, eh, I'll yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll take the risk. <laughs> <laughs> Worth
3: it for a, a good crop of mushrooms. Wow. Well,
0: yes, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Exciting. Mm. Yeah, you'll have to keep us posted. Yeah. And I need uh, recipe recommendations for <gasps> mushrooms. Never, I don't think I've even cooked with oyster mushrooms before. To be honest with you, I'm not sure if they need to be, you know, used in certain dishes.
3: Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think if um, anyone listening has got any good mushroom recipes,
0: hit us on uh, I am a fan of a mushroom omelette at the moment. I've got yeah. a thing for that. Oh, something about a mushroom omelette. That sounds nice. You yeah. sound like
3: mushrooms on toast? Oh, and no, I've never really oh, I've had not that. tried that. that I've always nice. been a mushroom fan though, mm. or a breaded mushroom.
1: Yes. Do love a garlic breaded mushroom.
3: (laughs) Oh yes. Is anything not better breaded though? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you've got a point. (laughs) Yeah, answers on a postcard. (laughs) Um so I don't know if you're finding this with your mushroom growing if you're I mean, I know you're in the early days, but whether Mm. you find it therapeutic, whether either of you use your gardens to escape stress, because um I saw a an article on the Telegraph website. Telegraph, goodness me, um, <laughs> the other day, and it is with Game of Thrones star Harry Lloyd, who you might both know as Viserys Targaryen. Oh, yes, yeah, a uh, controversial character for sure. <sighs> but um, he was saying that um, his garden is great for like stress relief and getting away from the stress of being an actor and various things and being in the garden with his family and all of those sorts of things um and it got me to thinking have there been times that you can think of where gardening has helped alleviate a stressful situation for you or is it just is it ever a conscious decision of like oh I need to reset myself so I'm going to go in the garden or would you say it's just a
0: natural part of the process for um, you yeah I would say it's so. I'm not necessarily maybe, yeah, with stress, but also sort of last winter I did feel quite down mm-hmm. and um having sort of little seedlings as a sort of spring came into into play, and I had little seedlings to focus on, it gives you something outside of yourself mm-hmm. to yeah. think about, mm-hmm. um which sometimes I think with your mental health you know a bit all over the place that could be a little bit too much to think about, but it was just, oh, I haven't got to worry about life and you know adult responsibilities I could yeah. just think about these little seed things and how I'm gonna look after them the best that I can really yeah. and that's a nice little break away from from you know negativity isn't it so definitely yeah and as you see them grow
1: you know you get these like bursts of sense of achievement and yeah. you just think oh it's like a little boost of serotonin every <laughs> time you know and and I think definitely like even just the general process of gardening like I found over the summer um, if I ever felt kind of overwhelming inside too much, or or you know, I mean, just anything really, felt a little bit like oh, could could use a bit of a break from thinking about this. Just like if I go into the garden and just just check over everything. Also, watering I find extremely therapeutic. Yeah. Like I don't know what it is, but there's something really satisfying about watering the garden. Mm. Um, so I just think the whole process in general is very relaxing, and you're kind of nurturing something other than yourself but it kind of feels like you are nurturing yourself at the same time because it is definitely stress relieving i
3: think um as well i really like um if you ever manage to get out in the garden (coughs) excuse me sorry coughed right into the microphone then (laughs) can't talk into it today but i'm going to cough into it um (coughs) yeah um being out in the garden early in the morning before everything's really busy like quite often in the morning i have all my like morning bits and pieces I do around the house and at the moment this has um also including when I go out to stick stuff in the bin or whatever that um figgy is losing its leaves at the moment um and so every morning there's like scooping up armfuls of leaves to go in the <laughs> in the garden um in the garden bin as well and I it's such a sort of mindless task but there's something really nice about being out in the garden at that time in the morning before um, people are all around in the street and before everybody's up and there's traffic noise and people being about noise just being out there when it's starting to get light it's sort of chilly it's very quiet and just I would say that that couple of minutes of just picking up some leaves and sometimes even just standing there to be quite honest with you there's something so Sort of centering and yeah, it kind of resets you a bit, ready for the day. And I just think nothing really does that like being outside, does it? No, no,
0: no. right? It's we are. I do strongly believe that as human beings, like there is something within us that's hardwired to benefit from being outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in today's world, it's so easy to to avoid doing that a mm. lot of the time. Um, but whenever I do, even if I don't feel like it. I never regret yeah. doing it. Um And I, I mean, always feel like that about a walk. Yeah. Even if you don't feel like going on a walk,
3: there's been very few times that it's ever been a bad idea. Small yeah. exception
0: is when I've been I'm um, and I'm sure you both have experienced being absolutely mugged off by the weather. Oh like yeah. to the degree <laughs> where I, it was about a year or so ago um I went out and it it was gloriously sunny, like not a cloud in the sky. Um it had been rainy a bit in recent days but like I say I looked Well, it's clearly fine. Took a little like quilted soft jacket with me um, and I walked down to my local co-op. Other shops are available and um, <laughs> as I came out of the co-op all of a sudden it it just became so dark and grey. Oh, okay. It started hailing and then just the rain absolutely fell out of the sky. I had nowhere to go. I was absolutely soaked, <laughs> oh, no. okay. and I was like, "How? How have you portrayed me so so greatly?" Okay. <laughs> it, was so, it was funny looking, but I mean, like I say, although I wasn't very happy at the time, it has mm. given me a, like a funny memory that I look back on and do laugh at. So you I know, would, yeah. I would
3: say though, I know you weren't prepped for it, which was probably the <laughs> probably the downside there. I much prefer being outside in the rain to in the wind. I think wind oh, yeah. is like
1: my least favourite weather condition. You just do feel a little bit slap round the face, don't you? Yeah. Sort of after a bit of wind. Yeah, that's so true.
3: Walking in yeah. the wind. Try not to quite f- poetic about
1: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it just took me to the walking in the air song yeah. and I nearly started to <laughs> sing the wind Please. version. Yeah. <laughs> I've just saved everybody's ears by restraining that. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, well, it's funny um, that you're talking about Uh, gardening being a good stress reliever because um, the article that I was going to talk about was actually on the evening standard. The NHS are actually about to trial a scheme um, to see if activities like gardening, surfing, um, I think there was roller skating, dancing, if they can prescribe those things instead um, to try and improve mental health in teenagers. Oh, um, awesome. so obviously gardening being among those things um mm-hmm. yeah it's actually been said that some studies have shown that by spending time outdoors it can be just as effective as being on antidepressants um other studies aren't so convinced but the hope is that the trial scheme will kind of see w- what the results do come back well like. yeah.
0: i think at the very least even if it's not just a sole treatment plan and other treatments are provided alongside yeah, that this is, yeah I don't see how that couldn't benefit but exactly. I also think it's nice to see that you know if you think of surfing and dancing and those sorts of things that quite a lot of teenagers are interested in those things but it's nice that gardening's also because it may yeah. well be an introduction for young people that they might not have had from a family yeah. member mm-hmm. or a friend or
1: mm-hmm. and it's
0: introducing them to that hobby that probably not many of their friends are doing but yeah, yeah. they'll find some joy in it it's also a life skill as well. I mean, if they end up, like, owning their own home or a, a garden or, you know, helping their relatives or their grandmother, like, tend to their garden, you know, there's, mm. there's a benefit to it as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think it sounds very positive. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Also, if you want to up the challenge, combine them and then do gardening on roller skates.
1: Wow. <laughs> that would definitely result in me landing face first yeah, in the I soil. Yeah, like, I do
3: unsure how beneficial that would be
1: i suppose
3: it'd be
0: fun it would be yeah. fun whether
3: it would actually <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> patio would be required yeah. <laughs> otherwise oh. it would kind of be like dancing and leg- gardening i think you could probably do that yeah yeah say. that's a good combination especially if yeah.
3: you have the radio on while you're gardening mm, you're yeah. probably naturally doing both
0: yeah i think in that case um it would definitely see benefits in mm. mood boosting mm. mood yeah, a little dance. Yeah. That, just that yeah. boosts my mood as well. I was on a run the other day and I was getting really like, oh, this is a so slog. And I just started doing I mean, there's a podcast you guys can't see, but I was doing like dance moves with my arms. <laughs> yeah. And it just boosted my mood yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Small changes. I mean, like I say, a teenager could just look after one plant.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it and it does. It is a good hobby. Yeah. I, I remember when I first got into looking after orchids and it was like I spent days just thinking about all, like, you know and I know that sounds really sad but I was so into them like I was looking them up all the time like I was just admiring them on my shelf like I just yeah I loved I loved it um and I think when you do get into new things like that it's you know you might just take to it and
0: it might sustain you kind of hobby wise for a long time yeah and actually thinking about in terms of mental health whatever you if you're having a day where you feel bad about yourself and you think horrible things about yourself if you look at a plant that you've grown and you think well okay but i've grown that th- i've grown that plant yeah. i've given that yeah. plant life and it's it's flourishing under my care i've done that yeah it's a small little glimmer of light to hold on to for some people i think and yeah. i think yeah. that's why and people attach themselves to God. also
3: the positives that it can bring about um outside of yourself like if you were as you say feeling bad about yourself that day but you see um loads of bees on your tomato plant then you think oh actually I've done a really good thing for yeah. bees today yeah. or then at the end of the season if you get a harvest and you share it with some family or friends or something you've done a nice thing for them that yeah. then can give you a boost as well and I think there's it's kind of a multi-layered thing really yeah, isn't Absolutely. It? yeah.
0: definitely I agree
3: well Sophie, I believe you have some jobs on the plot for us. So I don't know about you, Emily, but I'm going to go and get another cup of tea. (laughs) Let's
0: go.
1: It's not always about keeping things tidy. Leaving old stems will help overwintering your wildlife and encourage self-seeding. Relocate potted cuttings into a cold frame, porch or greenhouse as their roots can be damaged if they freeze. They'll be ready to plant out in the spring. If you don't fancy digging your carrots or turnips out of frozen soil, lift them and store them in boxes of damp sand. Parsnips though, taste better once frosted. Leeks are another common crop that stubbornly refuse to release themselves from frozen earth. So lift plants in batches during mild spells, replanting them in a the sheltered spot. Have a fantastic week and until next time,
0: happy growing.
3: Thank you for listening to this series of The Dirt. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free so you never miss an episode.
1: We'd love it if you'd rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to spread the word to your plot neighbours. Plus, we have an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for listeners of The Dirt.
3: All you need to do is visit
1: growfruitandveg.co.uk
3: forward slash GYO52, that's GYO and the number 52. Or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GYO 52 to receive three issues for just £5. That's a saving of a whopping 76%.
1: Every issue of Grow Your Own is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks, and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with a wonderful bonus gift, such as selections of seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.
3: And on a final exciting note, remember to get in touch if you or any of your gardening friends have some great stories of successes and fails on the plot. You could be a guest on the next series.